You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Good to be with you guys. It is so fun to be here. I love the intensity of this meeting. This is my family. Uh, but speaking of family, around my house, things are, uh, are, are very exciting because around my house, uh, we're in uh, the land of two-year-old and one-year-old. And so we have all kinds of conversations that are baby talk. And uh, we're talking like about um, things at my house that adults don't really talk about, you know, diapers and things like that. And when you have conversations with kids, they have interesting words. We actually have an Elmo video that's called Elmo Learns How to Use the Potty, uh, where it gives you language. It gives children language for that. And uh, thus, we're in this new phase where we're learning, we're talking baby talk. And um, tonight, the title of my talk is Baby Talk. Uh, It is baby talk. So let's read Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to read this for you. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Say slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. I like the way that the message uh, version does chapter 6 verse 1 through 3 there it says so come on let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art grow up in Christ the basic foundational truths are in place turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust and, and turning in trust toward God baptismal instructions laying on hands resurrection of the dead eternal judgments God helping us will stay true to all that. But there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Father, tonight, Lord Jesus, we want to be people that get past the elementary truths. God, we desire to be people that as we finish up a semester or a year or two years or an omega year in this furnace, we want to be people that press on for maturity. We want to be people that get on with it. We want to be people, Lord God, that fulfill all that you've called us to. In the name of Jesus, amen. I got, on, I got in last night from a trip and uh, spent last night uh, spending time hanging out with my son, Dawson. And while Dawson and I played, the nature of our conversation was about three things. The first one was we played race cars. Now, race cars is Dawson language for the movie Cars, the Disney movie Cars. And so I know, I can virtually quote the movie Cars. I know all about Lightning McQueen. 
I know all about Sally. I know all about Doc. I, I know this. I know it backwards and forwards. I know about Route 66 and Radiator Springs. And so uh, Dawson loves that movie. And because he loves that movie, we have developed this conversation, this language about it. In fact, he doesn't talk about our, our, our car. At re- it's a, it's a four-door 1997 gray four-door sedan, four-speed 126,000 miles. It's almost on its last leg. But compared to our big old, old truck, it looks like a race car to Dawson. So he calls it Daddy's Race Car. And he wants to drive all the time in Daddy's Race Car. And so this morning, when I, we were driving around this morning, and he called my old gray sedan Lightning. And we talk about race cars. And not only did we talk last night about race cars, but then when it's, obviously when it's time to put them to bed, you guys know this, any of you that went on tour with me, I talk about this frequently, but Dawson wanted to wear his Elmo jammies uh, to bed. And so we put on his Elmo jammies, which led to conversation about Elmo jammies, which also happened to lead to conversation about Elmo learns to use the potty DVD. And um, so we're talking about diapers, we're talking about Elmo jammies, we're talking about race cars. And... Uh, and we're talking about what goes in diapers and, and kind of learning that. And I am having the time of my life. Like I, I look forward to this. I laugh. I laugh. So we sat there and we laughed together as we talked. And, and I, I, I got, you know, it's part of my thing now when I travel to get Dawson the perfect gift and Olivia the perfect gift. And Dawson's getting extremely intelligent because he, uh, he told me before I left this time that he wanted a Lightning McQueen when I got back. And so luckily in, in Austin where I was, there happened to be a Disney store and uh, I got a, a Lightning McQueen. But then Dawson called me and he said, Daddy, I want you to know that Olivia wants a Sally. That's the other car. And so now Dawson's figured out how Olivia can't even talk. Um, <laughs> Olivia's never said a word yet other than Dada and Mama. So... So, but Dawson figured out how to get two toys. He tells me now what Olivia wants and now he's got two cars. And so, uh, and there's nothing that brings more, more delight to my heart. I mean, that's just like the most joyous thing. I love talking about Elmo. I love talking about race cars. In fact, I could just talk about any of you guys. I could talk, I could talk Elmo talk probably better than any of you. And I probably could talk race car talk and hopefully I can talk diaper talk uh, better than any of you. Uh, right now because my son is, is two years old. Now, if we fast forward 16 years and Dawson's 18 years old and on an evening where I'm hanging out with Dawson and I get home and he's 18 years old in Elmo jammies <laughs> and wanting to talk about his diapers and wanting to talk about uh, Disney's movie Cars would you think that I, as a father, would be wise to have that discussion or to look at him and say, son, you're 18 years old. You just got a nine on your ACT. <laughs> You've stayed in this living room and looked at Disney movies and Elmo jammies for 16 years now. It is... Uh, it's a good thing, let's stay right here. No, it would be ridiculous. It would be the nature of a father to look at him and go, oh my goodness, we need to get beyond Elmo and beyond Lightning McQueen because it's time to talk a little bit at a deeper level. 
It's about time to leave some of the elementary things of a two-year-old and move on. One of the things that Paul, or Paul, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews here, some guess that's Paul, we don't really know the author of Hebrews. But the author of Hebrews here is saying, is he's saying, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, as a Christian, as someone that's made Jesus Lord, when you say yes to Christ, you begin a journey just like a young kid begins a journey in life. In the same way that you have expectation for a young kid to become more mature with time, there's an expectation that the individual believer will become more mature with time. And if you remain at the same place, ultimately, you're unhealthy. If you're an 18-year-old in Elmo jammies watching Disney movies, you're an unhealthy 18-year-old. If you're a 21-year-old still hanging out, spending your day um, playing Nintendo, you're an unhealthy 21-year-old. If you are one of those things, you're, it's, oh, I just stepped on some toes there. <laughs> but I believe it firmly. And so, and so the re- realistically here, what he's saying is, is that there is a point in which you and I, as people that are pressing, as people that are going somewhere in God, do not become content to remain in the same stagnant place, in the same position. To mature, one must love more, give more, pray more, sacrifice more, and ultimately, as painful as this is for those of you that are about to enter into finals, think more. Actually become a Christian that thinks. But one of the things that I've found as I've discipled young people and as I've, as I've worked in churches and I've been kind of doing this church thing for, you know, over a decade now is that there's not only individuals, but there's even churches that when you really get down to it and you really talk with them, they don't really want to press on to the things of maturity. Because to press on to the things of maturity is painful. It's painful to pray more. It's painful to think more. It's painful to love more. It's painful to give more. It's painful to try to sacrifice, or to try to, you know, sacrifice time so that you can pray more. It's painful to give more dollars for the cause of the kingdom. It's painful to try to raise up missionaries. It's painful to try to become fully devoted. It's painful to try to sit and behold the love of God. It's more painful than it is to sit back and watch movies and play Nintendo and call it Christianity. It just is. And so because of that, there is all kinds of twisting the gospel in order to justify not moving on to maturity. There's different ways that we twist verses and ideas philosophically to try to justify hanging. And so we do things like, well, I'm going to sit on my space for an hour because uh, maybe I'll evangelize someone here. Yeah, right. Or I'm going to take five years out of college so that I can really know where God wants me to go when realistically we're sleeping in every morning, barely doing finances right, wasting our lives, and we've created a way to call it godly when realistically it's just sin covered up with religious talk. And realistically here tonight, I want to encourage you as someone that's only a few weeks away from a summertime of freedom. Oh no. A summertime of no accountability leader. Dear God, no. A summertime without prayer meetings every night. Oh, for the love. 
and a summertime where you do not have someone beating you over the head saying, read this book. And I want to have you think about that. And it's my desire that we would be people that fulfill Hebrews 5 and 6 here and that we press on to maturity. One of the things that we do sometimes as churches is we keep the bar really, really low. We don't demand much, very little depth. But if you look at the author here, he's saying, we got to move on, move out of elementary things. Get rid of the elementary things. Now, he's not saying get rid of the elementary things like leave them behind. He's not saying, you know, like if we are, if our, if our, if our life in God is this cake, he's not saying, all right, take out the flour and the sugar. Is there flour and cake? Okay, take out the flour and the sugar and throw it out so that we can have, you know, the good stuff. You know, take, so we can have the chocolate and the vanilla and the eggs, maybe. And whatever else might, and, you know, let's throw it out. He's not saying it like that. And he's not saying it like, so let's throw it out like, you know, like, um, he's not saying let's, let's, let's move on, like moving from one house to another house. You know, to where we're no longer in that house. Or moving, let's, let's say a city. Moving from uh, Colorado Springs, you know, to Denver. Get rid of this city. We're moving to a different place. It's not that. It, the language, the idea here is more of a builder. Where you're building a foundation. And it's not leaving something behind where suddenly there's the absence of that thing. But because that thing is so well established and it's so elementary and so foundational, it is established. And the, the fact that we have it, now we can build the building. Now we can put up drywall. We can throw on some shingles and some paint and whatever else there is in a house, you know, carpet. We can do that, but we need the foundation first. But it would be an absurd thing if you spent 25 years polishing a foundation. It would be ridiculous. Hey, let's just, let's, let's go, you know, paint the foundation again. We've already, we've already poured it. We've already, you know. Well, let's go draw pictures on the foundation. Let's go put stickers on the foundation. Let's just keep doing the foundation thing for 20 years. It would be ridiculous, correct? Because you would never have the purpose of the foundation, which is ultimately to build a building. Are you with me? Well, what I've found is that there's a lot of us that what we do is we don't press for maturity, but instead the foundation is necessary. And because the foundation is necessary, we just constantly press the importance of the foundation. So we never go on to the mature things in Christ because we can always talk foundational talk and nobody can argue with you. If Stefan is saying to me, well, we need this and we need this. So David, let's not press on for those things because we need to come back and we need to teach this and we need to establish this. We need to establish, and you know, there's a list of some things here that the author of Hebrews puts in here. We need to make sure that people understand that. To where it limits us from pressing for the fullness of maturity, then in the end, it's not really, it's not really building a foundation. It's using the idea of the foundation to justify polishing it, painting it, spending 20 years working on a foundation and never moving on to the fullness of God. Never becoming what he's called us to be. Always being okay to be a small work in progress. You know, sometimes you hear that. You say that you, I've heard people say, well, I'm a work in progress. 
Okay, that's good for a season. But as a mature Christian, you want to be a foundation for a season and then a very, you know, then you've got the, the construction going up. But in the end, you want to have an, an, an interior castle. You want to be a, Kent, a, a castle, massive and a huge construction rather than just being happy with, well, I'm still digging the foundation. We need to press for maturity. We need to not be spiritual babies. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a baby. Don't look at the other one now and say, don't be a baby. David, how do I know if I'm a baby? How do I know if I'm a baby? Here's the first way, you know, take notes on this. Here's the first way that you know that you are a spiritual baby. Babies can't concentrate on anything for very long. My daughter, Olivia, is, is uh, 14 months old, and this is what she does. She'll point, she just points, and she goes, eh, eh. And you go, and you go to get the thing that she's pointing at, and by the time you've handed it to her, she's pointing at something else. Eh, eh, eh. Maybe you saw her up here earlier where she was pointing at different people. She was pointing, I picked her up, and she'd point at mom, you know. Then mom would take her, and she'd point at dad. Eh, eh, eh. And babies, they can't, they just, they can't concentrate on one thing for very long. Their mind, it doesn't work very well in the sense that they can't stare and concentrate on something. You can't get a baby to just, you know, sit there and concentrate on one thing for a super long time. They're just, they're just kind of shifting around. True of immature Christians. Can't pray for very long because, eh, 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 sounds too loud. Oh, it's too hot in here. Oh, it's too cold. I don't like prayer. I think... Immature Christians can't study the scriptures for very long. I don't get it. I don't want to get it, really. That's code word for I don't want to get it. Because I want to tie an intellectual knot so I don't have to study the word of God, so I don't have to press on to maturity. Immature Christian can't focus on the thing that God's called them to do in the immediate. They only think abstractly about all these other things, so they can't get the training that they need, the education that they need, the, uh, doing each little process step by step by step because they can't concentrate because they're just kind of all over the place. Immaturity. Immature Christianity. Can't fast. Why? <laughs> because they can't focus on one thing. Like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> it's true. There's grace to be an immature Christian for a while there's grace to not be able to be a person of prayer for a while there's grace to be a person that's learning how to fast for a while there's grace in God I don't look at Olivia and be like Olivia stupid kid concentrate no 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 as a father I look at Olivia and, uh, 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 and I think it's cute and I think for your first little time in God, God's like, oh, <laughs> they're learning. They look back and they said, God, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. And they lasted for 30 seconds. And God's like, oh. But five years later, prayerless, unfocused, lacking vision, undisciplined, God's not going, oh, we have to press for maturity. We've said yes to be followers of Christ. There's an expectation that we will aim for maturity. Number two, B, 
Babies want simple conversation. Simple. That's it. That's all they can do. Dawson and I, we talk about how lightning is red. Lightning McQueen, he's a red race car. Red race car, we talk about how he's red. Lightning red? Yes. Lightning got stickers? Uh-huh. Lightning fast? Yes. That's, that's like, that's probably at this phase, that's about the most mature conversation we have. Lightning fast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lightning. Lightning like Sally? Mm-hmm. Yes. Lightning not like, and I mean, that's what we talk about. Mommy has brown eyes. Dawson has, has brown eyes. Daddy has blue eyes. Levy green? Yes. Yeah. And it's a great conversation for me and a two-year-old. But if one day when Dawson's 18 and we're sitting around the dinner table going, he's 18 years old, everything works in his mind, but he's not developed the discipline to think. And he's like, mommy have brown eyes. Dawson have brown eyes. Daddy have blue eyes. Levy have green eyes. There's going to be a point where I'm going to be like, Dawson, we've already had this conversation for 16 years. Let's move on. Let's move on to maturity. (laughs) One of the cute things that's really cute right now is, you know, Dawson says that, you know, Jesus lives inside of him. And so that's a, you know, really cute thing. Uh, Except for he doesn't have a full grasp on what it means that Jesus lives inside of him. We haven't quite figured out, you know, the Trinity and the Holy Spirit inside of him and what it looks like yet. And so he just thinks Jesus lives inside of him. And he just now created a picture of how he can best understand how Jesus lives inside of him. It's like he says, Jesus inside of me, like new baby inside of mommy. Like, well, kind of. And one of the things that Renata always does is Renata, you know, she takes, um, she'll take uh, the, the pill, the, what do you call that? The pregnancy pill, the, su- the supplement to make, pre- prenatal. Is that it? Yeah. Prenatal, she takes prenatal vitamins. And, and, and so she'll take it for the new baby. So Dawson, he takes his multivitamin for Jesus. You know? And, and in the same way, Renata puts this lotion, you know, on her stomach, you know? And so she puts lotion on her stomach. And then Dawson wants to put lotion on his stomach. And so Dawson will be like rubbing lotion on Jesus, you know, kind of thing. All right? So that Jesus won't stretch his belly. Isn't that fabulous for a two-year-old? Again, it would be ridiculous if at 18 years old, he's like, multivitamin for Jesus? You okay in there? Mature Christians, 16 years later, are not still having the elementary conversations, are not still having the same simplistic, where they're completely fed on the same simplistic concepts that they were fed on two years in to following Christ. Do they leave them? No. They're still needed. They're a foundation. You don't leave them like you take, you don't get rid of them like you get rid of an ingredient out of a cake. You don't get rid of them like, or, you know, move away from them like you would move from one city to another, but you build upon them. They always remain there, but you build upon them. I believe that as mature Christians, we want to be a people that enjoy conversation about the deep things of God. We actually like to talk about, use our mind as we talk about Jesus. Not just memorized answers, 
Lifehouse. I have memorized all the cute things to say. That's what we do. You know? We just me- we memorize some cute things, some cute conversations, and that's cute God talk, and then we go back to talking about college football. Sorry, a little confession there. Does that make sense? We want to be people, though, that our conversation isn't just elementary, but we're so fascinated with God. We've spent 16 years, or however many years you've been saved, however many years you've been where you've said yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. He is your king. He is your Lord. He is your God. And now you're at a place where you talk about more. As mature as you can be. Fascinating things. Deep things. Stretch your mind. Stretch your heart. Read books like the Bible. Right? Where we read the Bible. And if you are 20 years old and you know about the same amount of Bible as you did when you were 12, that's a bad day. You need to be eight years more mature. Immature Christians, I think, uh, when, when looking for a church or when going to church, think of church as a stagnant place, as a, this is the kind of church that I'm comfortable in. This is the kind of church that I fit, that kind of thing. When in reality, the church isn't where you go, okay, this church is at this level, this church is, this, this church is pushing this, and I fit here. Instead, it's a community of people that are pressing for the fullness of God together. And because that, it means that you actually move forward. I've heard some people say things like, I want to go to a church where we just do the basic things. And it's code word for, I want kindergarten Christianity. I want to go, I want to go and we'll talk about the same things year after year after year. We won't go any deeper. And it's kind of like, if you can make this analogy, it's almost like you're a first grader. And you go to first grade and you learn your colors. Yes. And then you learn that A makes an A sound and B makes a B sound. You know, and C makes a sound and D makes a duh sound. Right? Or is that kindergarten? Preschool. All right. Let's call that, let's call that, let's call it kindergarten. Let's call it preschool. All right. So you're in preschool. And you're in preschool learning that. All right? How ridiculous if 12 years after being in that preschool, you were still in preschool? You flunked preschool once. You flunked preschool twice. You flunked preschool three times. And one day, you're 17 years old, sitting in a preschool going, ah, buh, suh, duh. It's ridiculous to even imagine. Are you with me? But in reality, in truth, it is so easy for us to spend 12 years since we have become Christian, since we have become Christians, since we've said yes to Jesus. And in 12 years, our maturity is not much further than where it was after we've been in God for six months. Are you with me? 
I mean, imagine being 50 years old, 50, and having, having had the same maturity of when you were 25. This thing is not a savings deposit box or a cave that you go in and you remain saved and you stay there. This thing is a pressing for maturity. It's pressing, pressing. It says that one day when he comes back and we see him, we will be like him. <laughs> he is perfect. And if we're going to be like him, that means that, as John Bevere always says, either he's going to change or we are going to need to change, and he's not changing. Therefore, we're the ones that must aim. Second Corinthians, what is it? Second Corinthians 3, 13, 11 says, aim for perfection. What does that mean? Aim to be Christ-like. Aim to be like Christ. Leaving behind the elementary things. Leaving them behind. Building on them. As Christians, when you've been in Christ for 10 years, you need to be a 10th grader in Christ. When you've been a Christian for 20 years, you need to be a 20th grader in Christ. When you've been a Christian for 30 years, you need to be a 30th grader in Christ. Are you with me? Why? Because this never stops. So the, the way that you think of it is not, well, I got saved, I finished Bible school, the furnace, and now I'm going to do my devos for 20 years and pay my tithe. Oh, that's Revelation 3 puke. I think that's one day God's going to look at that and go no 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 we want to be a people that in staring at a person in staring at Jesus the one that we're desiring to become like we move forward year after year after year I'm not now I wouldn't say I wouldn't be someone that says uh, hour after hour or day after day, because in a sense, I think that because this is a battleground and this is a war, that it doesn't just, it's not that clean, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to be one day better off than you were the next day. You know, because this thing's a war zone, bad things happen, enemy takes out, you know, you walk through things. But I'd say, call it a month, call it a year, but in, you know, significant amounts of time, when you look at them incrementally, you're further down the road than where you were. Does that make sense? I mean, in some of the things that we've walked through this year as a church, there's been days where it wasn't for me like, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. There's been some days this year where I've been like, it was sweeter three months ago. You know, like, I, I, trust me, that's where I, I, I know that's kind of wrong to say, and I know that we're in a better place now. I know all that kind of stuff. But there, in my heart, in my emotional being, there's been days where I've been like, ugh. Does that make sense? 
And so, and so I'm not saying that every single day you're going to be like, I am a 10,547th day greater, you know, G-R-A-D-E-R, better off than I was yesterday. That's, a, that's not quite what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you're pressing for maturity. And if you take where you are today compared to where you were in 2005, you're definitely more mature in Christ than where you were. You definitely have the living God alive and active. Your heart is alive. You've learned more. The scripture's more in you. You enjoy prayer more or you pray more. You may be in in a valley, but at least there's a commitment to pray in a stronger way. There's a determination to know him. There's a determination to reach the lost at any cost. There's a determination to see the nations known. There's a determination to give as much of the away as possible. There's a determination that you want to be someone that affects the poor. There's a determination to be holy. There's a determination to try to marry a godly girl rather than the last girl. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you with me? There's that confidence, that, that, that resolve. That determination that you are going to aim. Here it is. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and let us go on to maturity. We're going to go on to maturity. We're going to press for a more mature way. Paul says in Philippians 3, forgetting what is behind. But whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss. Now, What that means is, is he goes, even the good things that I did under the law, even those things that were to my gain, I now consider loss. That would be, if we were to take that and we were to do the stay in the same grade thing, it doesn't work. Paul's looking at this saying, hey, I don't even care about the good things that I have attained to. Even the good things I consider loss. Why? That I might strain for the prize. Christians don't like it when we talk strain talk. I'm just delighted to be here. I'm redeemed. Good. Don't talk strain talk. Brother, I just think that you, you know, you're off a little bit. Mm. Paul says, I press. I strain. How many of you guys have, in order to pass calculus, had to strain a little bit. Yeah, I never passed. I didn't take it. Now, I remember, the, the death class for me was Algebra 2. Impossible. Impossible. I mean, geometry, I got it. I don't know, just triangles, eh, okay, lines, great. But Algebra 2 was disastrous for me. For me to pass Algebra 2, it took some straining of my peewee brain that could not get it. X's and 3's and 4's and I, I hated it. All right? But, but if we're going to press on, for, but in order to be mature, in order to graduate from high school and reach maturity, you had to do it. Are you with me? Well, in the same way, if we are going to press, if we're going to go on to maturity. There are times where your mind needs to strain. Your mind needs to mature. Your body needs to come into submission with your will. And be it spending an hour, like Jesus said to his disciples, waiting up yet another hour to pray. 
be it disciplining your body to fast, be it focusing your mind to concentrate on God when you worship rather than concentrating on the girl next to you and thinking about if she wants to go out with you on May 11th. I, forgetting what was to my gain, forgetting what I consider it a loss. Why? That I might meditate. That I might behold, that I might pray, whatever it might be. But we need to go from being an 8th grader to a ninth grader to a 10th grader to 11th grader. And I say, even, the thing is, is that your mind, your mind may actually begin to, um, you know, even if your mind begins to kind of level a little bit, <laughs> your heart in God can continue to swell through the years. Does that make sense? You're, you, for you to love with the way that Christ loves, John 17, for you to love that way, you can go through time in terms of your life and get that to be louder and larger and bigger and stronger over time. So, when you get into the furnace, wrong way to think. Dude, I did the furnace for like two years. We did prayer meetings every night, man. We went to China and Tibet. It's awesome, man. It was like, oh, dude, it was it's spiritually intense, dude. I, I took 16 hours of college. I was working in a Red Robin, and dude, I like did the deal, man. It was awesome and like cool spiritual badge, on, you know, on my letter jacket, and I'm there. And five years from now, that was the most radical time of my life. Bad day. awful, awful representation of Christianity. Everybody repeat this. Say, furnace is kindergarten. Furnace is kindergarten. You're in spiritual kindergarten. You are going to be in Christ for the next 50 years. 45 years from now, you're going to be a 45th grader. Or for some of you that have been saved for 10 years, you're going to be a 55th grader. Do you see what I'm saying here? Year after year after year, the idea is is that you're pressing. Therefore, let us leave the elementary things about Christ and go on to maturity. Become mature. Right mentality. Dude, the furnace helped me learn my colors. It helped me to learn eh, buh, suh, deh. It taught me how to use the bathroom pass. It was, it was awesome. And I needed it in order to, now, I don't even need a pass. Now, I can read on my own. Now, are you with me? But let these be, let these be the days where it helped you get on a progression to spiritual maturity, not where you reach the summit. Not to where you've completed spiritual ecstasy. Are you with me? You haven't arrived. Say, I haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. We are like little tiny baby Christians. But one day we want to get out of Christian kindergarten and we want to be mature. 
We want to press for maturity. Third thing, babies don't appreciate mature things. Dawson appreciates Dr. Seuss more than A.W. Tozer. I've tried. It doesn't work. He's bored to tears with Tozer. It's amazing. But he likes, oh, the places you'll go. And he likes, go, dogs, go. And he likes the cat in the hat. He likes those things. I'm dreaming for him to like knowledge of the holy, the attributes of God, those kinds of things. But he's not there yet. Why? Because he's a little kid. Olivia prefers cereal to sirloin steak. She just does. Why? Because she's a baby. Right? She has no... Dawson does not have appreciation for Tozer. He does not have appreciation for the Desperation Band like he has appreciation for uh, Miss Patty Cake sing-along. All right? Now, why? Because in their development, they don't appreciate the mature things of adults. Now, here's what I found of that we do sometimes. We, because not of our simplicity or our commitment to, you know, make things simple for unbelievers, but because of our lack of willingness to discipline our mind, our soul, our body, we sometimes will not appreciate the deep things of God. And we won't press on to maturity. And we don't appreciate. Someone will say, we'll tell a story about miracles in another country or uh, healing in our hand or serving the poor. And we'll, 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 we'll not even allow our hearts to resonate with it because it's so far removed from our circumstance and what we see right in front of us, that when they talk about reaching Nepal, or when they talk about we've seen miracles in Mexico, or when they talk about um, uh, dreams and visions, or when they talk about evangelism on a college campus, it is so far removed from our little experience that we, instead of resonating with that, a mature thing, we, we push it out and enjoy our little cereal. We push it out and enjoy Miss Patty Cake because that's all we can see and that's all we can handle. Are you with me? And we justify because it's not in our immediate experience. We don't appreciate what is actually the mature things of God. Jesus said, you will do greater things. We do want to see mass evangelism. We do want to appreciate those that have meditated and know God and can talk... I mean, about the attributes of God in a powerful way. We do want to appreciate those people that have had dreams and visions. And we do not want to write them off. And because in our three-year-old experience, we're, we're, we're listening to Baby Einstein videos, and they're trying to show us that Chopin is really, really good, you know, or that Bach is worth listening to. We're in our little justified three-year-old brain going, good for you, here's me. Are you with me? 
when we hear the stories of the unevangelized being reached, there needs to be this longing that goes within us, like a great appreciation. When we hear the stories about God working, when we see transformation, when we hear about someone identifying with the poor, all those things need to move us rather than justifying our existence, rather than justifying right where we're at. So many times when we've talked about aiming for perfection, the 2 Corinthians 13, 11, um, which is biblical, you know, like everybody always says, you know, you take the uh, Jesus saying, be perfect as I am perfect. And every time I am around, you know, I have a lot of times when I have discussions with people about that, they're like, trying to find ways to discount that and say, well, that's not really what Jesus meant and, you know, that kind of thing. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, he goes, aim for perfection. And you know what's interesting? When you look at the Greek word there for perfection, it means perfection. It's so bizarre. And when you look up the Greek for the word aim, it means aim. Sorry. A little sarcastic there. But we here, but some of you guys are like, okay, well, philosophically, it's hard for me to aim for perfection if uh, Christ is perfect and I'm not. It's hard for me to talk about aiming for perfection if I, can't, if I won't achieve that status. Here's what I want you to get. Aim for maturity. Aim for maturity. If you can't go perfection, just go aim for maturity. Aim to be far better off than you were the year before. That's like baby steps. And in 10 years, you'll go, I'm aiming for perfection. (laughs) But if you can do aim for maturity right now, aim for maturity. Are you with me? And we we want this. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Let's be people. Let's be committed. Year after year after year, we're going to build. We're going to not go back and keep rearranging the foundation and playing with the foundation and Justifying, not going deep because, hey, this is a foundation. If we don't have this foundation, you can't have the house. You know what I'm saying? No, that's what, that's what I hear all the time. What I hear all the time is, no, 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 don't press on that. With that. We, need, we need these basic things. Let's do these basic things again and again and again. And it's licensed to not build a house. And I'm going, duh, I know we need the foundation. But we've got a foundation. Let's go. Let's not give up on fasting. Why not aim for dreams and visions? Why not? We're going to give up on miracles? And we're going to just, well, you know, for the sake of the loss, let's dumb it down all the time. Forget it. Foundation's been laid. We're not going to be 50 years old and still in preschool, having flunked year after year after year, going, dude, you know, well, we can't move out of preschool yet because we really got to keep polishing up these app books. This is red, this is orange, this is blue. Let's get, and then church just becomes blah. Because you're like, I've heard app for years now. Are you with me? But let's be people, let's create communities. Let's be in communities. Let's create little fellowships of the heart that go on to maturity. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. God, we want to be a people that uh, go on to maturity, Lord God. We want to be people that don't spend 
50 years talking baby talk when there's maturity available to us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.